What's up, everybody? Hey, welcome to our brand new series, How to Be Brave. I'm super excited about this, so let me, let me make sure that we especially welcome to the fellas at RCMU. Fellas, we're so glad that you're in on this movement of God all throughout the Black Hills, so you guys listen up. We're all gonna listen up and press into what I think is an absolutely critical conversation on how to live life bravely. Now, now, recently I was perusing the internet and found a story that was awesome. I love brave stories. I think you like brave stories too. We like to see stories, hear stories about where someone stood their ground, didn't move, or, or they went into a storm, or they went into a moment that we would say, that is absolutely incredible. So if you'll remember, it wasn't too long ago, only a couple years ago, uh, tornadoes went through more Oklahoma and did incredibly, uh, just destruction all over the place. And so I wanted you to see this story because what happened was a school or multiple schools got hit and teachers who were you know, in the midst of teaching all of a sudden had to become protectors of their students. And so one particular teacher uh, was interviewed after the whole storm passed and everything all happened. And I wanted you to hear her story that I think is an incredible story of bravery. Take a look. I have Rhonda Crosswhite here. She's a sixth grade teacher at Plaza Towers. And we've heard your story this morning because we've already had a student talk about how you laid on top of several students to save them. Ms. Crosswhite, can you tell me what happened yesterday? Well, we just, we were in the halls and Mr. Ayers, that's a fifth grade teacher. He was like, you have to get, and he was pushing us in the bathroom. And I was in a stall with some kids and it just started coming down. So I laid on top of them. one of my little boys just said, he just kept saying, I love you, I love you, please don't die with me, please don't die with me. So, but we're okay and we made it out when it finally stopped. We got all the kids, there was a, a dad there and um, him and I and one of my students, Antonio, pulled everyone out of the, we were in the bathroom, pulled them all out of the bathroom. Everybody in our place was fine. We had one kid with the head cut, but he's fine. So, so as far as you know, all your kids All of my kids are, are okay. accounted for. So Can you even put into words what was going through your mind and how you were feeling in those moments where you're literally using your I, body to cover it, these I children? I never thought I was going to die. I, the whole time, I just, um, I just kept screaming to them, quit worrying, we're fine, we're fine, we're fine, we're fine. And I'm very loud, so I didn't know, I just hoped they could hear me because I could hear him screaming. And the little girl that was under, she's in my homeroom. And I just kept trying to, you know, she was sobbing. And I was like, Eris, we're going to be fine. We're going to be fine. I'm protecting you. Can and you then and I said a few prayers. <laughs> God, please take care of my kids. So, and we're fine. There were so many prayers going up in that moment. You lived through an incredibly powerful tornado. Can you give us a sense of how it felt, how it sounded? You know, I, I don't remember what it sounded like, honestly. I just, it was like a freight train, but I don't remember much about it. And it felt like someone was beating me up from behind because stuff was just, you know, coming down off of, on my back. I thought it was, I have cuts everywhere that I didn't even realize I had. I had flip-flops on and um, I have cuts on my feet from the flip-flops, but pretty irrelevant to considering what could have happened. Well, before we came on this morning, you were saying, you were looking around and saying, I wish I could see my kids. I want to see uh -huh. the students. And I do have a student here who wants to say thank you to you. 
This is Damien Klein and his mom, Brandy. I told you we were going to be okay. Wow. I mean, that story is awesome. I mean, that's, that's the teacher that we want for our kids. The, the teacher that will literally take care of our kids in a moment that a tornado sweeps through. And here's what I've concluded, I think you'll agree, is I wanna be brave. I want my friends and my family, and, and frankly, even the people that I don't know, I want them to consider me brave. And I think you want to be considered brave. Now, if you're not new to the Bible and you've grown up reading the Bible, we typically use another word when we talk about bravery. We use the word faith, trusting God. And so in this whole series, because that's what I want to unpack for, for a whole month, I want us to talk about being brave in the context of faith, trusting God. But that bravery, if you want to be a brave person, I want you to tune in. And here's what I'm going to do. There's a guy in the Bible, a guy just in history, incredible guy. His name is Elisha. Elisha is one of the bravest people I've ever read about. He did things and said things that I'm sitting there going, oh no, I don't know if I'd say it or believe it like that, but he was so brave and bold to say things. And so what I want us to do is learn from Elisha how to be brave. And so if you've got access to your Bibles, I'm gonna go to a place called Second Kings. It's in the first part of your Bible, and you can dig there or just scroll to it on your phone or tablet. But I'm gonna unpack his life, and I'm gonna tell a different story about Elisha's life each week. But let me give you context for the story I'm about to tell you and read to you. Here's the context. There was a group of people that used to be slaves. If you've seen the movie, you know about this, where a guy named Moses helped get these slaves with God's help, with God basically broke them out, and Moses led them out of slavery. Now these people got out of slavery, just kind of started a life of their own, but eventually uh, things didn't go so well, and they divided into two separate kingdoms. One kingdom was called the kingdom of Israel. One was called the kingdom of Judah. And you've got two separate kingdoms. They have two kings, king of Israel, king of Judah. All of a sudden, the king of Israel has a major issue with a whole separate king, a bad king. And he needs his teammates, pretty much, to join up, and they've gotta go remedy the situation. Now, just like the United States has, is these kingdoms have allies. So you're gonna hear about a place called Edom, and you'll hear about the king of Edom. But just to give you context, what I'm about to read to you, three kingdoms, kingdom of Israel, kingdom of Judah, and the king, kingdom of Edom are getting together to go to battle against a very, very bad king and kingdom. That's the context for what I'm gonna read to you. So let me show this to you. This is in 2 Kings. So the king of Israel started out, they're going to war. The king of Judah and the king of Edom went with him. Their armies marched around the southern end of the Dead Sea. After seven days, they ran out of water. There wasn't any water for the men or their animals. Now, if you aren't aware of this, I think you probably caught on to this. This is a big deal. Because what they're doing is they've run completely out of water. Things are not going well. They have three armies teamed up together ready to go to battle. And they have hit the point that they have run seven days and they've got no water. The animals, in essence, are going to be dying if they aren't already. Some of the men are probably sick, weak, and some might be dying. This is a catastrophic 
issue. They could not just run to Walmart or Target and go grab some water. This is a life and death situation. So that's why it unfolds. It says this, what should we do now? <laughs> Exclaimed the king of Israel. The Lord has called us three kings together. Did he do it only to hand us over to Moab? Now, that's a big deal, what, what you just read. Did he just put us to the lions, in essence? Did he just throw us away? If, if, you, if you missed it, he's blaming God. This king of Israel, who, who has stories and knows about being freed by God, and they're going to war, he's all of a sudden blaming God for their problem. Now, I'm not gonna say that none of us have ever done that, because I think every one of us have done that. We've blamed God, and in fact, if you're willing to be honest, I mean, come on, guys, let's get honest. I think we all have a tendency that when a problem happens, or even better yet, when our expectations aren't met, we try to find someone or something to blame. Now I know at first you're like, no I don't, no. I think most of us do that. When you have an unmet expectation, a problem, our tendency is not to just say, no big deal, keep trudging through bravery. We start to blame someone or something, the situation, circumstances, what we had or didn't have, what so-and-so did or didn't do. And so what I want us to unfold is this. I want to teach you what brave people do through the story of Elisha. So here's my first thing that brave people do. This is critical. Brave people don't waste time blaming people. I'm going to reread this. Brave people, brave people, which I think you and I have agreed that we both want to be brave people, don't waste time blaming people. I think we all do this. We, we all blame people. I mean, frankly, let's just put it up on the top level. Uh, you and I will watch maybe a sports game, and our team didn't do as well as well, what we wanted them to. And so it wasn't the team's fault. It was the ref's fault, right? We blame the refs. Or, or maybe, maybe you didn't do so well on a test. You're, you're a student, and you're like, oh, I bombed this test. And you're like, it's the teacher's fault, right? They didn't tell you what you should have had. It had, definitely had nothing to do with you not studying or waiting for the last minute to study. We blame somebody else. Or if you get a speeding ticket, it's, it's Obama's fault, right? It's, it's Obama's fault. It's the president's fault. In fact, I think that's what we do nowadays is any problem, it's always the president's fault. We like to blame people. If you're married, you blame your spouse. If you've got kids, you blame the kids, and kids, you blame your parents. We blame people all the time, but let me, let me put something very important in your life. If you blame people, if you spend all of your time blaming people, you will have a hard time finding the bravery to walk through that situation. And I think you want the bravery to walk through, frankly, any kind of situation. So here's how the story continues to unfold. Brave people don't waste time blaming people. They, they move forward. So let me show you what the Bible continues to teach, 2 Kings. But Jehoshaphat asked, now if you're like, oh, Jehoshaphat, I forgot who Jehoshaphat, he's the king of Judah. So isn't there a prophet of the Lord here? Now, now a prophet, if you don't know what a prophet is, a prophet is the guy who, who would communicate what God was saying. It's who God used to, to communicate to everybody. Isn't there a prophet of the Lord here? They're saying, we wanna hear what God has to say. Can't we ask the Lord for advice through him? An officer of the king of Israel spoke up. He answered, Elisha is here. He's the son of Shaphat. Elisha used to serve Elijah. 
I mean, that, that's cool. So, so they're like, hey, we need advice. We need help with this. We need, we need to figure out how to go. So, so watch this. This continues to unfold. Jehoshaphat said, the Lord speaks through him. So the king of Israel went down to see Elisha, Jehoshaphat, and the king of Edom also went there. So important. Listen, the kings, they just listed the three kings. The three kings did what? They went down to see Elisha. Now, if you don't know this about context, you probably don't, is that kings never went anywhere to see anybody. Anybody always went to kings to see them. You always went to the king. You arrived to the king. The king stayed put, had a pretty awesome throne, chilling out, and people would come see the king. So you see how dire and horrible the situation is, is they are so desperate for water. They want to survive and defeat this horrible king that they are willing, these three kings, to go find this prophet, Elisha. They're willing to to literally go out of their own comfort zones. So watch this, it just continues to go. The story is awesome. Elisha spoke to the king of Israel. So they're meeting up with Elisha, they've gone to Elisha, speaks to the king of Israel. He said, well, what do you and I have in common? Now, if you're ever in front of the president of the United States or a senator, or maybe you're in front of just a, somebody you really respect, you typically are not trying to offend them. I, I'm thinking you, you, you shouldn't. But Elisha's in front of these three kings, these three kings, any of which could say, off with your head. Here's his response. What do you and I have in common? Go to your father's prophets. Go to your mother's prophets. If you don't understand what he's saying, is why don't you go talk to the fake gods that you've been worshiping? See, this king of Israel had started worshiping a God that didn't exist. He pretended like he exists, the God of nature. It's fascinating to me. They have no water. They've been praying to the God of nature and nothing's happened. And so Elisha's like, hey, why don't you go pray to your God of nature, your fake gods? What's going on there? He's basically taunting them and being sarcastic. I absolutely love it. So no, the king of Israel answered. The Lord called us three kings together, all right? He did it to hand us over to Moab. So you see, he's still blaming. He's like, so God has, has the worst for us. He's got the worst for us. Elisha said, I serve the Lord who rules over all. You can be sure that he lives, and you can be just as sure that I have respect for Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah. If I didn't, I wouldn't even look at you or even notice you. <laughs> I mean, he is slapping that king in the face without ever touching him. And he's still, though, you see this blame game. And Elisha's like, you want help from God? You, you want help from God? Well, then we gotta process some things because I'm gonna be in front of you and talk to you about God. But he's pointing out is there's only one God. So before I move on, I mean, I've talked about blaming. Before I move on, have you gotten so caught up that you are not brave anymore and you're afraid in life because you spend all of your time blaming everybody? But before you can be a brave person, You've gotta be willing to move forward and quit spending and frankly wasting your time blaming people. I think we do this a lot. And I'm trying to encourage you, if I can, to stop wasting time, spending time blaming. If you wanna be brave, put the blame game down and start to move forward. So let me help you understand how to move forward. So here the story keeps going. So here's Elisha. But now, bring me someone who plays the harp. Seems kind of weird at first, I'll explain. But now bring me someone who plays the harp. While that person was playing the harp, watch this, the Lord's powerful hand came on Elisha. Now, bring me someone who plays the harp. 
I don't know that I would have asked for a harp to show up. Uh, in fact, I, I don't know that I would have asked for any kind of harp or, or string instrument. Uh, now, now, I don't know what you would have done, but this is interesting. This reason I stopped. I'm telling you a story about how to be brave, and we're also talking about harps. Uh, let me explain. Brave people direct their focus. Brave people, they intentionally tell their focus where to focus. Brave people direct their focus. That's what Elisha's doing. He's like, all right, kings, you want to hear what God wants? You're in trouble. You got no water. Life is ending, and this is a horrible, horrible situation. Okay, I'll talk to God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this, and I'm going to focus. So he asks a harpist to show up. Now, let me tell you why. Music is powerful. I think we all would agree that music is powerful. Music is so powerful that God has used music all throughout history. Music, God has used to literally break down the walls of a city and make them crumble. Music has proven to be even somewhat of a healing tool for people. Music is absolutely so powerful. So, so Elisha's like, okay, okay, I'm gonna tell you what God wants. I'm gonna talk to God, so bring the harp in. I mean, other words, cue up the worship team. We're gonna roll and we're gonna look at what God wants, but first we gotta get focused. Now, let me help you. Now, recently, Katie got me a gift. Katie's my wife. Uh, Katie got me a gift. It's an awesome gift. It's an amazing gift. I can prove that this gift is awesome. She got me the brand new Adele album. Now I know some of you right now are wanting to cheer and scream and some of you think I just lost my man card. But don't worry, just listen, listen, listen. She, she got me the Adele album and so here's what I did. I, I had on a lunch appointment and hadn't had a chance to listen to it. So I got done with the lunch appointment. I got into my truck, my very manly truck. I got into my truck, I'm getting ready to go and I was like, I know what I'm gonna do when I listen to this album. I opened up the album, I put it into the CD player and I drove the rest of the way where I was going crying. Okay, I was crying, I admit it, I own it right now. It's an amazing album. I can prove to you that music moves you. So for your entertainment, let me introduce you to Adele. Hello from the other side. I must have called a thousand times to tell you I'm See, some of you, you're crying now. now, now especially fellas at RCMU, seriously, guys. Like, wipe it out, you're gonna get in trouble. So, so I'm telling you, I don't know what music you like. I don't know what music you like to listen to whenever you like to listen to it, but I guarantee you that every single person listening is impacted and affected by music. And in fact, if you're getting ready for a game, some of you, you've got a playlist for the game. In the morning, as you're getting ready to go to work, you've got a playlist that you wanna listen to. Some of you get all nostalgic when certain songs come on that remind you of certain things. I 
telling you now. You may not realize that I didn't know this was spiritual. I'm telling you, music is a powerful tool that God has given us to direct our focus. And you want to be brave? You want to be brave? Sure. Stop blaming people and focus on the right thing. Elisha, he didn't say, well, let me do something super. No, he said, let me, let's start some music. Let's roll the music. That's why a lot of times we'll even close a service and you'll start to hear music because we want to make sure that we focus in and music is powerful. We don't sing at church trying to get God to just show up. God is here. We, we have music to help direct our focus in the right place. And so we spend a lot of time at this church leading up the beginning of a service, leading our way, trying to get music to direct our focus to God, making sure that we tell God how awesome he is. He's here. He's not waiting for us to sing, to show up. What have you been doing about your focus? Have you been letting life and the circumstances and the things that just unfold in life, have you been just letting them tell you what you're gonna focus on? I would tell you that's, that's unwise. You wanna be brave? It's not about being a superhero. None of us are superheroes. It's not about being in the perfect place at the perfect time. I just totally disagree. You wanna be brave? You stop blaming people, stop blaming the circumstances, and you put your focus on the right thing. And God has given you and I tools to help direct that focus. Music is one of them. I think reading the Bible is another. Just literally reading through your Bible. You're having a horrible week? I'd say open up the book of Psalms in your Bible or Proverbs. Just start reading and direct your focus. When I'm totally stressed out and losing my mind, I often listen to music or open my Bible or just sit and I will talk to God saying, help direct my focus on the right stuff. Because if you're like me, oh wow, I've got straight up ADHD all over the place and, and I can look all over the place and be thinking about different things all the time and I need help directing my focus. What I love about this story this story tells us that you go back thousands of years and people had the same issue that you and I do. It's hard to focus. So Elisha says, hey, you want to hear from God? All right, I got to direct my focus. I'm going to be brave here. I'm going to direct my focus and he cues the music. Where's your focus? And what are you doing to intentionally, intentionally Determine your focus. Now, now, now I want to get to the best part, the main part of the sermon, like the, the crux of this whole thing. Second Kings unfolds even more that's pivotal. Elisha announced, so he's, he's prayed, he's talked to God, the music is played. If he had a dell, he would have had a dell there, but, but a harpist, whatever. And Elisha announced after talking to God, the Lord says, dig a lot of ditches in this valley. <laughs> I mean, it's... it's it's kind of funny if, if you're willing to let that be funny. The Lord says, dig a lot of ditches in this valley. I mean, think about, the, think about how it's going on. You got three kings right there. A man of God saying, let me talk to God. The harpist is playing. Everybody's moved. This is amazing. And Elisha speaks up and he's like, I got what God says. He's like, yes, what's God going to do? And he's like, you need to dig some ditches. I mean, I think they're anticipating. So when is God sending the Dasani truck to bring all bottles of water so we can just sit back and chill? I think their prayers were a little bit more selfish saying, hey, we don't have water and God, you better do something. Send the truck, do the miracle. And we're desperate for God to do something. And I think God often says, I want you to do something before I do something. So here's the last 
bravery thing I wanna talk to you about today. Here it is, very simple. Brave people dig ditches. They dig ditches. I mean, you know how to dig, don't you? I mean, most of us do. In fact, sometimes even, in, I think in our culture, digging a ditch is, is spoken of in the negative, like you just dug yourself a hole, like, oh no. So this story is really cool to me because I'm thinking, they're ready to hear from God, they're ready, they're excited, and, and Elisha comes back and says, I've heard from God, here's your miracle, here's what needs to happen, dig a ditch. And you and I often don't like to hear that, do we? We don't like to hear the news that you and I have to do some work. We gotta sit on this for a moment because a lot of times we talk about God and bravery and faith and miracles and needing a God intervention in our lives and we're like, God, do something, show up, yet we're sitting on the couch doing nothing. Expecting God to do every bit of the work or at least God has to do the first work and then we'll follow suit. And if you read your Bible very clearly, God often says, I'll do something. I'll do something that you can't even imagine that I'm gonna do, but I want you to dig first. That's why this story is so profound. A lot of our prayers to God look like this. God, fix, and then just fill in the blank. God, fix my family. God, fix my marriage. God, fix my health. God, fix my work. Fix my boss. Fix my brother. Fix my sister. Fix my church. Fix my whatever. Fix the government. Fix the world. God, fix it. Fix it. God, you do something. God, you just actually just sweep in and fix it. And here's what I'm telling you. I think God might be whispering to you in this moment. Okay, I'll do something. You do something first. Start digging. Now, this looks different ways. And, and you and I, have, we've got to press in. Because if you want to be brave, you're not going to be brave on your couch. You're not gonna change the world in some back place doing nothing. In fact, your heroes that you like and the heroes that I like are not heroes because they did nothing and just simply waited. The heroes that you and I like are the people who stepped up in the moment and started digging. Now, I've done some digging lately. I wanted to show you some things. I, I made some examples. Uh, here's one in, in 2015. I mean, we just finished up that year and, and I'm looking back and saying, what did I do in 2015? What, what trenches, what ditches did I dig in 2015? Here's one of them. I, I, I had to record this. I read 29 books in 2015. Now, some of you are like, well, yeah, you're a pastor. Like, you only work one day of the week. I mean, of course you read. Listen, listen what's funny about me reading 29 books in 2015 is I graduated high school on academic probation. I graduated college on academic probation. If my teachers knew that I even knew how to read now, they'd be shocked. I'm telling you, me and reading books are not synonymous and people would laugh. Anybody I ever went to school with would think I'm lying to you right now. 29 books I read in 2015. Some of them were horrible, absolutely atrocious. And some of them were really good. Why do I read? It's not because I want to. Let me say that again. Why do I read? It's not because I want to. It's because I want to dig a trench. I want to dig a ditch that God can use. I want to dig something in my life, in my soul. I want to make some area 
and do what God wants to do because if you, I'm gonna read the story to you, but let me spoil alert. What God does is he sends water and it fills the ditches. And all of a sudden they have all the water they need. See, it wasn't just like, I wanna see you do busy work. Is he's prepping them. He's prepping them. And so, the, so one of the ditches, one of the trenches I dug during 2015 is I read a bunch of books. And so now when I get to talk with people, when I get to preach, you'd be amazed at how much wisdom that I've learned from 29 different books gets applied and pressed into these conversations, digging trenches that I will now use in the years to come. Uh, there's more. People have dug trenches for you, if you didn't know that. When, when your mom or dad or grandma or your foster parent made you go to school, remember that? They made you go to school. They were making you go to school because it, uh, they wanted you to learn how to read and write and be able to add two plus two because that's important. That's a trench, that's a ditch that you need dug that you can use in the future. And you're thinking, well, that's not a big deal. I know we make kids go to school, but those are trenches that we're digging for them so that God can use things that are significant in their lives. So there's... Schooling is one of them. Uh, another one is we're, we're starting another location. If you don't know this, we, we've got the fellows at RCMU and, and we've got the west location that I'm at right now. But, but we're also launching an east location. We're gonna have another Fountain Springs location in the same area. You're like, oh, I bet this has been done before. No, we're digging a trench. We're digging a trench for God to do miracles. And God is not just gonna mysteriously all of a sudden just make it happen. We're digging a trench. We're, we're digging trenches and ditches all throughout the area so God can, can do something in those moments. And many of us are trying to be brave, but we're trying to make God be the brave one first. He's like, I want you to be brave with me. So you, you gotta get rid of the excuses. Quit blaming everybody. And you gotta focus on the right things. What does God want you to do? And then you gotta start digging. Brave people dig ditches. They work. You want your marriage to work? You want God to do a miracle in your marriage? I think he wants it too. So date your spouse. Don't be like, hey God, tonight while we sleep, will you do a miracle and make her nice? <laughs> that doesn't just happen. And she's probably saying the same prayer for you, by the way. Like, God, will you fix my kid? Well, well maybe, maybe he wants it. I think he wants your kids to be on the right path. But he's like, hey, why don't you spend time with your kids? Why don't you spend direct, intentional time with your kids? And some of you are like, I want my job to, to work out. God, just fix my whole work. Well, what if you tried to be the best employee that you could ever be, no matter if your boss is good or bad, or if you're paid what you should be or not? For those of you who are students who have a bad teacher, don't like your teacher, you're like, I can't learn this year. They're this or that, they have it out for me. What if, what if you just tried to be the best student possible no matter your circumstances? Here's what I'm telling you. God wants to do a miracle in your life. I believe that with all my heart. But he wants you to dig with him too, to work, to apply the shovel. Now, this story unpacks and unfolds in some pretty cool ways. Let me read to you, let's call it the end of the story. Do it because the Lord says, this is why we wash, I dig. Do it because the Lord says you will not see wind or rain, but this valley will be filled with water. Then you, your cattle, and your other animals will have water to drink. That's an easy thing for the Lord. I love that. It's an easy thing. For you and I, it's not. Let me just tell you something about yourself. You can't make it rain but God can. You can't make it rain, but you know what you can do? You can dig a ditch. 
And so that's, not, that's an easy thing. It's an easy thing, by the way, for the Lord to do. He will also hand Moab over. Do you remember the king of Israel going, oh, would you hand us over to Moab? No, oh, he's gonna hand Moab over to them. And then it all ends. You will destroy every city that has high walls around it. You will destroy every major town. You will cut down every good tree. You will stop up all the springs of water. You will cover every good field with stones. The next day, the time came to offer the morning sacrifice. And then it happened. Water was flowing from the direction of Edom. In fact, the land was filled with water. And you know where the water went? Into the trenches. And they were able to feed the animals, feed all of the soldiers. If you could fast forward through this story, we don't have time for that, but you'll learn that they won. Everyone had all the stuff they needed to do what they needed to do, and God won the victory for them. You want God to win victories for you? You want God to do miraculous things in you? You need to be brave. You need to be brave. Bravery is a necessity of life. So let me press a question into your life. Are you willing to stop blaming others? Are you willing to focus on God? Better yet, are you willing to dig the necessary ditches for God to fill with what needs to be filled? Are you willing to be brave?